Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, we're talking about how to navigate the complex world of online dating. And to lead this conversation, Lauren and I speak with the amazing Michael Kay, who is the Global Director of Brand Marketing and Communications at the popular online dating app, OkCupid, to help us understand how to better our odds at finding quality matches. According to a recent study by Stanford sociologist Michael Rosenfeld, online dating has become the most popular way that couples connect in the U.S. today. And considering many of you may be either on the apps or know others who are, and not to mention our own online dating experiences and curiosities, we thought that we would speak with Michael to share the inner workings of this complex dating universe. Michael found his perfect match through a dating app, and today he shares his story along with a ton of helpful online dating strategies and tips to help you work the algorithms to your advantage and use these tools with better intention. And it's important to note that OkCupid is particularly recognized as a leader in providing the latest online dating research. And in our discussion, Michael shares some fascinating online dating stats and new trends he is seeing. Now, whether you are on the apps today or want to learn more about the online dating world in general, be inspired by Michael's findings and strategies to help you or someone you know use these apps more intentionally and get closer to finding that perfect match. I mean, we have to tell you, we are so excited to speak with you today. We have been telling our friends and our friends of friends that we're speaking with you and everyone's like, oh, I have to listen to that one. So excited. Yeah. I feel like it's fun to talk. People like to complain about dating, but I do feel like it's fun to talk about. Yes, exactly. And I know that you have all the online dating insights. And so we're super excited to get into it. We thought we would start by sharing a story with you. So I am single and currently on the apps. And Lauren has been in a relationship for over two years with a man that she met online. And he was her 47th date. Oh, my God. My 47th first date. <laughs> oh, I love I, that. Yeah, I counted. I was after like two years, I was like, I wonder how many dates I have been on. This is getting ridiculous. But then I finally met him and it was so worth it. So I'm very pro dating apps. And I'm so excited to do this conversation today. I am with someone for almost nine years that I met on a dating app and they're my first date ever. Oh, wow. I get so mad when people say that. (laughs) I know. It's like so annoying, especially (laughs) now that I'm like working at dating apps. What app did you meet on? I met my boyfriend on Tinder. I met mine on Hinge. Oh, okay. Same family. Yeah. Yeah, same family. They're one floor above us in our office. Oh, wow. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I heard that OkCupid is a part of the match group along with Tinder and Hinge. So yeah, that was, I was like, oh, wow, they're all sisters. That makes sense. And uh, I I have to tell you at at the beginning of this year, so I was actually off the apps and Lauren, she called me she's like, Kelly, you need to get back on the apps. And I was like, why? She's like, well, the first Sunday of January is the busiest time of year. Isn't that wild? Is There's like all these like fun facts that I learned since working here. And yes, Sunday, Sunday is the busiest day of the week all year long. But the first Sunday of the year is the biggest day for all dating apps. Wow. Wow. So interesting. Yeah, I actually ended up missing it. 
And I also heard that between, so someone told me this, so tell me if this is true, between Halloween through American Thanksgiving is also a very busy time? Yes. So that's like our cuffing season. Okay. Okay. And does the cuffing, cuffing season, usually people talk about it if they live on the East Coast when they have four seasons, does that apply to West Coasters as well? That's interesting. I feel like I did talk to one of my friends in California about this. We typically see it. I think it's it's everywhere. We tie it to weather changes, but what it really is, is going into the holiday season. Okay. So people want to like be coupled up, find someone for the holidays, maybe someone they can bring home to their family. They don't want to be alone for New Year's Eve and then come New Year's Eve, you have Valentine's Day. There's just like a lot of holidays right after another. You know what's so funny? I was pretty much single throughout my 20s and I always wanted a boyfriend to bring home for Christmas because my whole family would always be like, don't you have a boyfriend? Why don't you have a boyfriend? And I finally got a boyfriend October 2020 and Christmas was canceled. <laughs> I was like, what yeah, is that? Is so <laughs> <laughs> That's so oh, true. God. I never thought that. I... Was it canceled for us? I think we did. No, we did Christmas that first. I'm Jewish, but my boyfriend's Catholic. We did Christmas 2020 only with his immediate family. Yeah. So no extended family, no celebrations. The following year, I got Omicron. Oh, no. That holiday was canceled. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Now, before we go into your online dating lessons, can you briefly share your dating success story and the experiences that inspired you to work in the online matchmaking world? Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated college in 2014. And for anyone who remembers that time, I don't know about you, but for me, I actually had not heard about any dating apps all throughout my college experience. I had known about Match.com. Obviously, they're the OG who has been around since the 90s. But no one around me, none of my friends were on dating apps. And the first one I ever heard of was Tinder, literally one week after I graduated college. And I was in the closet all throughout college. I identify as gay. So for me, post-college, when I was ready to potentially start meeting other gay men, dating apps were actually the only safe space for me to do so in a discreet way that felt very controlled for me. It wasn't me going into a gay bar and feeling overwhelmed and stimulated. It was too anxiety-ridden for me. So I actually turned to a couple of dating apps. One was only focused on gay men. That was just not the place for me. And then I wound up downloading Tinder and talking with a lot of guys, but not meeting up with any of them. Because again, I was in the closet. I was nervous. And I wound up meeting up with one guy who I am still with. Mm -hmm. And this July, it will be nine years together. So thank you, Tinder. Thank you, online dating. Mm -hmm. And it's just ironic that five, about five, six years after that, I wound up working for a dating app. Yeah. Congratulations. Wow. Uh, Was it the success story that inspired you to start working for OkCupid or what led to that? To be honest, I completely forgot about dating apps after that. Oh, wow. Uh, got into my relationship. I've been in it since. And I had spent about five years on the agency side working on brands across industries. And in spring of 2019, the former CMO, Melissa Hobley of OkCupid, who's now the CMO of Tinder, slid into my DMs on LinkedIn. We had not known each other. We had never met. And she thought that I 
my values and my beliefs aligned really well with the OkCupid brand. And she had an opening on her team. And as I started to do some research into OkCupid, their brand campaigns, their product features, their commitment to LGBTQ plus community, I just fell in love with the brand. I fell in love with Melissa and I fell in love with the team. And I've been here since July 2019. Congrats. All through COVID. (laughs) All through COVID. Yes. I had about... I don't know, maybe like seven, eight months of normalcy before lockdown. And then that was just an experience to be at a dating app during a period where people couldn't date. Yeah. And I feel like over COVID, the perception of online dating really changed. You know, people are like, wow, it kind of has this cool factor now. I actually feel like there's been a huge perception shift since I was first on the app. So Mm -hmm. to be quite honest, when I first heard about Tinder, I thought that's so weird. You're going to meet up with a stranger you met online. And year after year, I started to hear more and more and more success stories of people meeting their houses on OkCupid, on Tinder, on Hinge, on all these dating apps. And it's become way more normalized. And the funniest thing is I now have friends who will say, oh my God, I met the creepiest guy at a bar last night. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) what did he do? And they're like, he came up and spoke to me. <laughs> and it's just so interesting to see how in like such a short period of time, really, the perception has shifted and we think about things differently because we're such a digital first generation now. The pandemic definitely changed it. It was almost like you had to go on the apps to date because everything was closed. You couldn't go out anymore. So absolutely. I mean, that's a really that question that we got, especially in the be- in the beginning of 2020 was, or the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 was around what exactly are you seeing on dating apps? Like are people just deleting them? Are they getting off them? Are they not talking to anyone anymore? And what we found that was really interesting was after that first week or two where everyone, at least me, I was just in a total state of shock. But after that, OkCupid okay, user engagement increased drastically And it increased more and more as shutdowns intensified. So during the beginning of the pandemic, all over the world, matches on OkCupid increased 10%, uh, conversations increased over 20%. And we've seen really big bumps in activity engagement on the app all throughout the past few years. Wow. I remember Lauren at the beginning of COVID. She, it's so funny. She would have her computer on her lap. We both have TVs or we had TVs and we just never use them. We use our computer. She'd be watching a movie or she'd be on a call with me. She's like, oh, I have a date in five minutes. And all she'd do, she'd put on some lipstick, goes on her date, and then she turns it off, goes right back to the movie. She's like, it's so efficient. (laughs) I loved Zoom dates. I feel like people have very strong opinions on Zoom dates. Um, But a lot of people really loved it. A lot of people said one thing we heard was that it was way less pressure. And that was something that was really nice to come out of the pandemic was that one trend we saw that I really loved was that, to be quite honest, like women feel a lot of pressure going into dates. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. They are the ones who spend more time getting ready putting more pressure on themselves ahead of dates. And because we couldn't go out anymore, we did not have to get dressed up. What we saw in OkCupid was that women felt more empowered to take control over their dating lives. And they started sending more first messages than they ever were before in our 18-year history. And for any woman who's listening saying, I don't know if I want to send that first message, 
The data shows it will benefit you because conversations initiated by women on OkCupid last significantly longer than any single conversation started by a man on OkCupid. Wow. I love hearing that. I also noticed that a lot of people want to be pen pals. So I will make the, I will initiate because of that. <laughs> and I, I, I found that most guys like it. They appreciate it. And, and sometimes guys don't feel comfortable being the first one sometimes. So yeah, it's, it's nerve wracking, but I will say if you're going to send that first message, whether you're a man, woman, non-binary, however you identify, just please ditch the hey, hi, and hello, because that has uh-huh. the highest rate of being ignored on dating apps. So get more <laughs> creative there. So what do you suggest saying? <laughs> so I, first of all, I have my opinion, and then our daters have their opinion. So we, for anyone who's unfamiliar, we're a very data-driven brand at OkCupid. We match people on what matters to them through in-app questions. And I actually asked this question to our users, like, what's the best icebreaker in your opinion? And about 5 million daters have already responded to this question. So pretty healthy sample size. Yeah. Most people really like a simple introduction where you're giving a little bit more information about yourself. So basically bringing your profile to life via a first message another 30%. So that's 30%. Another 30% like when you ask a question. So opening up with a question, 21% love when you tell a joke. I always put a disclaimer out there that like, that one makes me nervous because what if they don't have Uh the same humor as you or your humor is a turnoff. So take, I say, take that one with a grain of salt and 18% like when you mention something on their profile. But for me, I think you should one, make it really easy for someone to come up with that opening message. And the way you do that is by uploading photos and filling out prompts that they can respond to. If I look at a dating app profile and I see five of the same selfies, I really have no idea what to say to you. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're interested in. I know nothing about you. I don't know what your hobbies are. So if I were to create a dating app profile today... I would upload a photo of me at a Taylor Swift concert or at a SoulCycle studio or in the park reading a book. Those are things that I like to do. And that gives someone a little bit more about my personality, but it allows them to open up and say, what's your favorite T-Swift album? Or who's your favorite instructor? Or what book are you reading next? And it's so much easier to start a conversation with a common interest. So true. I love that. I was going to ask you, can you share how we can approach online dating with better intention or how we can improve our profiles? Do you have any other tips to help us better our odds at finding quality matches? Yeah. So, well, first, just to like build off of what I just shared with your photos, with your profile prompts, with your self-summary, whatever you're filling out on your profile, make sure that it serves a purpose. It should be a conversation starter. So that's like the biggest tip that I give people. Also, you want to be positive with everything you write in your profile prompts. I often help people who I'm friends with swipe on Hinge or OkCupid or whatever app it is. And the biggest turnoff I see is when someone says swipe left if or anything along those lines, it's just putting a lot of negativity into your profile. I think it's really important to have 
those deal breakers in mind, but let's reframe how we're talking about that. So instead of focusing on your deal breakers, I tell people to highlight their deal makers. So what are you interested in instead of what you're not interested in when it comes to a partner, when it comes to a relationship? What's going to make you swipe right on someone? Why do you want someone to swipe right on you? I just like when people shine a light on that instead. And then also make lists. Again, it's like really hard for some people to come up with that opening message. So list out books that are on your coffee table, um, songs that are on your favorite Spotify list, places that you still want to travel. Again, these are conversation starters that are going to make people have a much easier time initiating that conversation, sending that first message, and then taking a step back from your profile When it comes to who you're dating, what kind of relationships you're getting into, just think about your checklist. We all have a checklist. Some of us have an extensive checklist that Mm -hmm. I think is just a wee bit too long. And I like to break that checklist down by must-haves and nice-to-haves because Mm -hmm. not everything is super important. I love Harry Potter. I love Taylor Swift. I love iced coffee. I love SoulCycle. My boyfriend has never even stepped foot in a SoulCycle studio. He <laughs> does has not like read the books as many times as I have. That's okay. We still work. We align on my must-haves. My must-haves are wanting a home one day, wanting children. Those are a little bit more important than what some people consider their must-haves. So really think about your checklist and break it into those two categories. That's really great information. I, I love how you pointed out, don't date me if. A lot of people will use that line. I find that's so negative, right? Instead of doing that, flip it and say, hey, I really love or enjoy this. And then the person looking at your profile will know, oh, I don't really love that. But again, as you said, even with your boyfriend, it's a situation where you you have your own interests and not everything is going to align. But in terms of things and what not to do, would you, you know, you said scratch selfies. What about people who who basically put only a couple pictures or what are other things that people are doing that maybe you should suggest they shouldn't do anymore? Yeah. Well, one, avoid spelling mistakes. That's a big (laughs) no-no. People actually say they're 75% less likely to respond to someone who has a lot of spelling mistakes on their profile. So that's the easiest thing to check off your list. Um, And then in in regards to photos, we want to upload a lot of photos. If just helpful tip, If a dating app is giving you something to do, it's in your best interest to do that. So when we say upload at least five or six photos, you want to do that. If we're giving you prompts to fill out, you want to fill those out. Going back to the data, if you complete your profile on OkCupid, you get 200% more matches than Mm. people who leave things blank or don't fill it out as much as they possibly could. So you definitely want to include as much as possible. And when it comes to photos, this is a question I hear a lot is like, how bad are group photos? They're not the worst, but they should not be your first one to three photos. No one wants to play Where's Waldo when they're on a dating app. And it has nothing to do with like finding the person who's more or least attractive in the group. They just want to know who you are. Yes. Uh, So I say ditch the group photos, but if you have a couple that you really, really love, or you want to show that like your, you know, spending time with your family is important, that's great. But leave it in the back of the photos that you like include on your profile. At least the first few should be solo shots. 
the like the fourth or fifth photo can be group shots. Yeah, I see that all the time where I'm like, where's Waldo? Like, I, I don't know who's who or they have sunglasses in every picture or their mouth is closed in every picture so they don't show their teeth or they have a hat on in every single picture. It's just so fascinating what you see. Yeah, we want to switch it up. Yeah, you have to switch it up. I saw you, you I sorry, I heard you on the Dateable podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. I've been listening to these mm-hmm. ladies for five years and you talk about how you should really paint a picture, a story of your life. Like the way you described even yourself, you know, you would have yourself a soul cycle, reading a book, the things that you really enjoy doing. Absolutely. I mean, especially if you're in a very chaotic industry, a very busy city, not everyone has a ton of time to go on multiple dates per week. So we really want to be mindful with who we're investing our time and money into. And we want to make sure that there's someone that we're compatible with. So the more you tell someone, the better fit that date is actually going to be. And I feel like sometimes people just want a ton of matches but you should really be focusing on those quality matches. It's okay if someone swipes left on you. That's totally fine. It means they weren't the right person. It's just going to get you too closer to who that right person is or right people are. Yeah, I always say there's a lid for every pot. And how active, I mean, you said be very intentional about who you're hanging out with and who you're talking to. Like how active should we be on the apps if someone was just getting on or if they really want to meet someone, should they be putting aside every day to message people or how like going on? I always try to go on one date a week. Like I'm very methodical. So I'm like, if I do one date a week, that's 52 dates a year. <laughs> but what's your or what do you see on the the algorithm? I'll be totally honest. Dating is hard work. And it's a part of yeah. Oh, it so- is. I'm not going to come on here and say, okay, Cupid is so easy. You'll find your person in one week. That would be a dream, but <laughs> it's just not reality. And you're going to have to put in the time and effort and work if you want to find that person or people that you want to spend the rest of your life with. So you absolutely need to check in on these apps every single day. That does not mean you need to spend six hours on a dating app. We're all busy. We all have lives. We're all at work, hanging out with friends, hanging out with family. But you need to check a couple of times a day. Let's cap it to a couple of minutes. Because what's going to happen is if you go days without logging in, that person who is really interested in you is going to find someone else who's interested in them. And they're spending their time now scheduling that first date, going out on a first date, and they might have chemistry. So You don't want to be forgotten. You want to check in every single day, if not every, let's say, two days. And if there's one day or moment a week that you're going to spend the most time, that's going to be Sunday afternoon, Sunday evenings. That is the busiest time on dating apps every single week of the year. And this is not an OkCupid data point. This is on OkCupid. This is on Tinder. This is on Hinge. So invest some time Sunday afternoon, Sunday evenings in setting up dates, matching with people, messaging them, being active on your dating app. And I know you and I have complete opposite stories. You met your person (laughs) on your first date and I was like getting ghosted after two years. So, but Hey, it was well worth it. How long on average, can you tell from the back end how long it takes someone to meet someone? Because it's six months or a year or if people Ooh. are being pretty consistent. 
I actually am not sure. And again, anecdotally, we hear stories all the time because people will tag us on Instagram when they have an anniversary, when they have an engagement, a wedding, a first child, and all their stories very much vary. There are people who are like, I was going to delete the app and I met this person. I've been on the app for three years before finding someone that I really connected with. I was on the app for a few months. So like, it's kind of all over the place. Okay, that makes sense. I actually heard you also on the Multi Multi Amori podcast. I think I'm saying it right. And you shared how 30% of daters want to move people off the app ASAP and 53% want to move it to text as soon as they agree on plans. Absolutely. I... I have a very similar behavior. Obviously, I'm in a relationship that's monogamous, so I'm not chatting with other people in a romantic way, but I have the same behavior when it comes to Instagram or LinkedIn. So if I'm talking to someone about a professional topic where the next step in that conversation is setting up a coffee chat, a Zoom meeting, whatever it is, I always tell people in my DMs on Instagram or LinkedIn, like, here's my email, let's move it off because I'm just not checking DMs. Mm. as much as I should be. And that's what happens on dating apps too, is people forget to log in or it feels like a chore to them, which is really funny because I always look at my usage on where my battery is being, where I'm spending the most time on my iPhone and I do it for my friends too. And dating apps are like the smallest percentage when Instagram, for example, we're on for like hours. So you, everyone can afford to spend a little bit more time on dating apps, but I always like to move the conversation off to email for professional reasons or to text because that's where I'm checking most most often. For me personally, I've actually had the most success with men who will message me and say, hey, you know, let's take this off the app after a short conversation. And I actually prefer that. I wonder if other daters also prefer that. I like it when it's more efficient and they show interest quickly versus, oh, let's talk for weeks on end and then let it die. <laughs> no one, no one likes that. Like You might be having a great conversation, but if there's no initiation within, I say the first 48 hours to schedule a meetup or even a phone call, if you're like not ready to meet up in person right away, that's okay. But if there's no next step being taken, people are just losing interest because to be quite honest, there's a lot of options out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are. There's so many people. You don't realize it until you open the apps. And I remember at one point, I just set it to maybe four miles away. And then a friend of mine says, why are you limiting yourself? That's unbelievable. You should open it up. And (laughs) I did. And then you see more people. I'm like, Toronto is so small. And then, of course, you open it up and there's a lot more people. But I'm curious, sometimes, I mean, in the beginning, when you you sign up for an app, and I signed up for OkCupid to get a feel of it, and it's pretty awesome. I, 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 I love it. And I find that sometimes when you start on apps, it's like, wow, you get all this, all these matches. And then sometimes you feel like it goes a little bit stale. So I'm hoping you can provide some advice for those who feel like they aren't getting any matches. Like, is there any way that we can kind of trick the algorithm to help us get matches again? And I don't know what we can do to change, change on our profile or something. That's a great question. And let's keep it between us. This is an insider secret. If you change your photos or your prompts every three weeks, what's going to happen is the algorithm is going to get so confused and it's going to think you're a new user because there's all this activity happening on your profile and it will automatically start showing you to more daters. 
So before anyone like gets annoyed and it's like, that's too much work, I'm not going to create a profile all over again, just delete one or two of your photos and add one or two new ones and change some wording in the prompts that you're filling out or respond to more prompts. Just spend some time doing some maintenance and updates on your profile. And you should be doing this anyway because a lot of people create a profile and completely forget it. And you can tell who's not putting in the effort on their profile because you'll read a summary that's like, just started binging this brand new show, Orange is a New Black. That is not a new show anymore. That is so old at this point. <laughs> I barely remember the characters' names. So you have to like make those like tiny tweaks, but that's actually going to trick the algorithm. That's super cool. Or you go on the apps and you know, you share your your matches with your friend. I share them with Lauren. She's like, Oh yeah, I remember that guy from two years ago with the same pictures. So yeah, some people always- are on there forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're changing up your look, you want to change those photos. Like people dye their hair, people cut their hair. So you got to keep it fresh and modern. Agreed. Now, what advice would you give those who are feeling frustrated and overwhelmed by the apps? What do you suggest they do? People might be surprised that I'm saying this because I work at a dating app. Get off the apps. Delete the apps or just stay off of it. If you're going to not delete your apps and just not be on it, maybe update your profile and say like, hey, taking a quick break for a couple of weeks. It's exhausting. I need breaks from working out. I need breaks from reading. I need breaks from hanging out with friends. There's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a break from dating because the worst thing you can do is go into dating with a really bad mindset. You're going to give yourself a bad experience and you're going to give someone else a bad experience. So if you're not feeling it right now, that's cool. Take a break from dating. Go back to it. I have friends who are single and they'll be weeks where they are like lining up dates like it's like the end of the world like you would think they're prepared for the apocalypse and then there's other weeks where they're like I actually haven't been on a dating app for over a month at this point so listen to your mind listen to your body take a break whenever you need it Ah, I love that that's so great yeah and I know this for me I'm sure with Kelly too or the listeners it's so emotional being on the apps like if you go on a date with someone they're really interested in you you don't know how to tell them you don't like them or maybe you're super excited about someone and then you get ghosted you feel terrible about yourself like you're on this emotional roller coaster so what is your advice on how to end it with someone and I know ghosting is in all the memes these days but when is it appropriate to maybe not continue to talk to someone or how should you end it with someone over a text message, over a phone call? Like Kelly and I are so respectful. Or, and when I was dating, if I wasn't interested in someone, I would always just say, hey, listen, like I had a great time on that date. Like it was great conversation. I don't feel the romantic connection or I just don't feel a connection. Like I wish you the best. So what's your advice on this? I think the only time it's appropriate to go someone is if you feel unsafe. If this is someone who you don't feel comfortable around, you feel like something is off, there's just red flags, full permission to ghost, full permission to block them. Really listen to your gut. In general, if you don't feel unsafe, if there's just, you know, you don't have anything in common, you're not compatible, maybe there's no attraction, you weren't feeling a spark after a few dates, whatever it is, in those scenarios, 
I think it's really respectful and admirable if you just send a text. I mean, personally, like I would find it so awkward to have that conversation face to face on both sides. I would not want to say that to someone and I really would not want to hear it face to face. That's just my personal style, but I would definitely want to be told because it's a horrible feeling to keep email or I'm saying emailing because I'm a PR person who gets ghosted, but to be someone who's like texting or messaging and just not getting a response, it's so much easier to just say, hey, had a great time at dinner with you or drinks or whatever it is. I just want to be completely honest because I don't want to waste your time. I didn't really feel a spark. I'm down to continue uh, hanging out as friends if you're okay with that. Or I just wish you the best of luck. You're a great person. And that's going to really soften that blow and make someone feel a lot more comfortable because you don't want to make them feel so bad that they don't want to date for a while. That's a bad feeling. Yeah. 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 So mindful. I love it. I always think about how would I feel in their shoes? So what would yeah. I want to say to myself? And and so I I like Lauren. Yeah, we're very respectful. But I think a lot of people think, oh, well, there's no accountability. I'm not meeting this person through friends. I'm just meeting them through an app. Maybe we don't have any mutual friends. So they're less accountable. So they're like, ah, oh, I can just ghost. But I just, you know, it's like, how would that make you feel if someone did that to you? Think about that question before you do that to someone else. Yes. And luckily, on OkCupid, only 1% of people said that they ghost when it comes to breaking up with someone. And this goes against what I just said is my personal preference. But 90% of people said they rather break up with someone in person. They feel like that's more respectful. 5% prefer to do it over the phone. 4% uh, prefer to do it over text. And just 1% ghost. Okay. Oh, that's good to hear then. And what are some ways we can protect our safety on these apps? Because obviously you're meeting strangers off the internet. So what are your recommendations for staying safe too? Absolutely. Well, first, before it even comes to meeting up, we rely on our users to report bad behavior. If there is bad behavior, if you are experiencing bad behavior, you need to tell us because we don't know if you don't. So we make it really easy on OkCupid to report in several different ways. If you are just seeing a a profile and there's a photo that offends you and not offends you in the way like they're wearing polka dots and I don't like polka dots. (laughs) If there's something offensive in the photo, we make it easy. You can report a photo in a couple steps. You can report an entire profile and you can report actual messages. So we don't see your messages. So I have no idea what person A is saying to person B, but if they're being harmful, we really need you to report it so that we can take action against this user. Now, when it comes to being safe and being smart, when you're meeting up with in person, no matter where you are, I would never meet at my home or outside my home on a first date. It would take me a while to feel comfortable with that. Meet in public places, be mindful of your surroundings, tell your friends, who you're meeting up with, send a photo of their profile, tell them your name, uh, their name, where they're, where you're going to meet them, tell as many people as possible so that everyone knows what you're up to. A lot of my girlfriends will have find my friends and they'll share their locations with their friends when they're going on dates or runs or whatever it is that they're doing. So I, everyone really needs to be, you know, smart in that way for sure. 
I feel like if I shared a guy's name with my mom, she'd like add him to Facebook. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to check this guy out. That but is yeah, not no. <laughs> but no, for sure. I even Kelly's like, it's so nice to get picked up for a date, you know, like it's so chivalrous. And I'm like, but it's dangerous. Like you, you should always meet them on a date. Like I wouldn't want them knowing where I live if I had never met them. We actually end up having these questions. I'm like, oh, well, isn't it weird that he's making me meet there? Shouldn't he like pick me up or something? And Lauren's like, no, not on the first date. And I was like, yeah, ah, it's creepy. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's online dating. It's not like I met this person in person before. So I get it. And I remember there were moments where Lauren would say, oh, gosh, like are you? she was she was worried about me. She'd be messing me like crazy because yeah. she heard from me because my date was obviously going well. <laughs> Tell your friends. That, yeah. that also reminded me, check their social channels. We allow people to like connect their Instagram account. I think every dating app really does this at this point. Look to see if you have mutual friends. That would make me feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Okay. So do you recommend people link their social media profiles then? I personally would. But it's that's again, that's a personal preference. There are some people who are like, I'm a private account. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to connect with coworkers. And they're very strict about who they allow into their lives on social. I'm just more public with it. I'm totally okay. I literally post where I am. I'm like the easiest person to track down and murder. So no one please do that. <laughs> um, but again, it's a personal preference. So I want to move the conversation over a little bit. I understand that OkCupid is recognized as the data queen. And I'm curious what trend your team is seeing when it comes to what people are looking for. Because for me personally, I'm seeing that people are more open to communicating their dating goals, you know, in addition to their vaccination status, their preference in terms of religion. And I'm curious, specifically when it comes to the dating goals, are long-term relationships still reigning on top? Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack here. Yes. We're a a very data-driven dating app. That's not super easy to say. So OkCupid's in-app matching questions, they've been answered more than 110 million times this year alone in 2023, over 4 million times last year, and almost 10 billion times since we launched. So our algorithm is very data-driven. Not surprising. We were actually founded by four math majors at Harvard. So this all tracks and makes sense. Um, And we're always looking at the data to help us figure out what trends we're seeing, what data are prioritizing when it comes to dates, when it comes to relationships. And there's a few, I think, really uplifting things that we've been seeing over the past year. So one is that on our app, discussions around mental health are a really big turn on. And that's a big change that we've seen over the past few years. So today, being vulnerable is really one of the more attractive traits to singles. We're seeing that more than nine in 10 daters on OkCupid say they're sensitive. And this honesty is really paying off when it comes to dating, especially for men. Last year, men who said that they were sensitive on OkCupid received 107% more likes and 86% more matches and had 113% more conversations than men who aren't sensitive. So that's a big change, especially for that demo who historically is not really as comfortable talking about mental health, talking about therapy, talking about those deeper emotional types of conversations. So that's been really uplifting to see. And, you know, this goes across all demographics, gender, age, 
we ask, how do you feel about discussing mental health with a partner? 73% of people said it's important and I'm open to it. 20% were honest and said, I think it's really important, but it's going to take me a little bit of time to get comfortable with it. Only 6% of people were iffy about it. And within that, 5% said, it's not that important to me, but I'm open to it. And only 1% said, no, I'm out. Like, don't count me in for this therapy session. So that's one big trend that I I found like really uplifting and gave me hope for the next generation of relationships and daters. And then we're also seeing that open relationships are really no longer taboo. You know, these types of relationships, non-monogamy has been around for centuries. So this is really, it's not new. But what is new is that younger generations, Gen Zers, definitely millennials are embracing them. And that's really helping rid society of the stigma that open relationships once carried. There's been increases on OkCupid profiles of people saying ENM or ethical non-monogamy. And of 30 million people on OkCupid, 30%, which is like roughly eight and a half million people said they're interested in an open relationship. So it's not a small group of people who are open to this. Wow. That's a big change. As a user, I do see open to short, open to uh, looking for long-term or short. There's all these different ways that you can you know, communicate what you're looking for. And I just find that people are more vulnerable and open to communicating what they want. Before it was kind of hidden or they didn't have anything or I don't know what I want. I, I'm, it's complicated. It's nice that people can actually be okay with communicating exactly what they want. And I, I have to add that as a user of OkCupid, I love the in-app questions you have a ton of questions, which makes me feel as a user that you're really refining refining the matches for me so that I can find that better match. Absolutely. Yeah. Our questions are really core to our experience. We have thousands. We also have localized questions in over 30 markets around the world because what's important to someone in Toronto or Los Angeles or New York City is very different than what someone cares about in London or Mumbai or Tel Aviv or Tokyo. So there's over 30 countries around the world where those users on OkCupid will have a select set of localized questions. We also have questions that are only available to the LGBTQ plus community. And even within that community, there are questions that I will see as a gay man that someone else who's bisexual will not see. So we get really creative with our questions and we remove them when they're no longer relevant. So we're adding fresh new questions all the time and removing older ones. A lot of the timely ones relate to politics and pop culture. So we had a lot of questions about Trump. Soon as that man left office, those questions left our app. We also have questions about shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and Vanderpump Rules. But when those shows are not currently airing, we hide those questions because they're not really relevant to connecting people at that moment in time. Wow. So you're really keeping current, keeping with the times. I appreciate that. The fact that you have so many questions makes me feel like the other people who are on the apps are dating more seriously because there's it takes more time to fill out the profile. Absolutely. And that's to your point, that's by design. Like we tend to have higher intent daters on OkCupid. Sure, there are people on our app who are looking for hookups. It's just not the majority because compared to some of our competitors, it takes a lot longer to create a profile. It's like not super easy. You have to upload multiple photos. 
There's a lot to fill in on your profile. And then you have to answer at least 15 of our matching questions. There's not a single question that's mandatory, but it is mandatory to answer 15 before we even start showing you to other daters. Most people go on to answer dozens and dozens more. I think the average number of questions that people answer is around 60 which has been steadily increasing year over year. So when I joined a few years ago, the average was closer to 40. So people are starting to answer more and more questions, but it, it is, it's a, it's a lot more work to create a profile on OkCupid than some of the other dating apps out there. And we do that on purpose. Yeah. And I, and I know people's dating goals are more fluid these days, but I'm curious, are relationships still number one? Yes. And it's just what people consider relationships that has evolved and changed. So we say that a majority of people on OKCupid are looking for committed long-term relationships. However, what that meant 10, 15 years ago when we started is a little bit different than what we mean today. You can be in a committed long-term relationship, for example, with more than one person that's still a committed relationship. So it is evolving just as people's identities are evolving. So there, there's been a lot of change amongst our daters, amongst the relationships that we see on OkCupid. And I, I really do think it's Gen Zers, millennials who are driving that change for sure. And what are some of the mis- the biggest misconceptions you think are about online dating? Like it's like, oh, there's no one of quality on there. It's so hard to meet someone. Like what are some of the biggest ones you hear or see? Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest complaint that I tend to hear about is people who are just not into swipe culture. They find it exhausting. Some people find it toxic. And one thing I've heard recently is that there is a perception that Gen Zers are turning away from dating apps. But what's really interesting about this generation is that they're not. And what they're looking for is really interesting to me. So, for example... 80% of almost three and a half million Gen Z daters on OkCupid said it's important for them to have an emotional connection with someone before a a physical one. To be quite honest, that's something that shocked me. When I thought of Gen Z, I thought of college students. I thought of college culture. I thought of hookup culture. This is what we're seeing from Gen Zers is very different than what our data is, or what I thought about Gen Z daters is very different than what our data is showing. We also ask you know, regardless of future plans, what's more important to you right now? And about seven in 10 Gen Z daters on OkCupid over the past few years said, love is way more interesting to me than sex. And Gen Zers are actually 18% more likely than millennials to find dating around more appealing right now than finding their forever person. However, 13 times more millennials compared to Gen Zers were actually open to sleeping with someone on a first date. So we're seeing that the youngest generation, to my surprise, admittedly, is way more mindful and intentional when it comes to dating on dating apps. Yeah. And I feel like one thing we don't acknowledge, like people are so quick to complain about dating apps, but we're so lucky to have them, to have access to so many people. Otherwise, you're just relying on going to the bar, people you know, introducing you to someone who might be single like I feel like we live in the time of technology and we're so blessed and 
even, you know, like I was on there for two years and it wasn't fun and it was a lot of work, but I would have gone on a hundred dates to meet the guy that I'm with. And it was, it's so difficult. But then once you find that person, it's like smooth sailing. So you can really, if you put the work in and you're willing to, you're so much more likely to meet someone that you're so compatible with. And that's so amazing that we're at that place in this time. Absolutely. I mean, to your to your earlier point, people used to meet at gathering places like church or temple, but young people are just not going to those areas anymore. So it's almost necessary to be on dating apps at this point or meeting people digitally. I mean, we've had millions of people, like well over 3 million people already on OkCupid say that they came here because they know someone in their small circle or family or friends or whomever their group is who met someone on a dating app and got married to them. And that's why they turned to dating apps. So it's working, it's successful. And there's been a lot of positive things that have come because of dating apps. I mean, there's a strong correlation between a rise in people using dating apps with a rise in inter- interracial relationships. That's another trend we saw during the pandemic was that on OkCupid, people became more open to dating outside their race and religion more than they ever were before in our 20-year history. Wow. So there are there are a lot of positives to online dating. And that's not to take away from the negatives. There's definitely negatives too. Mm-hmm, sure. mm-hmm. Of course. I, I really like hearing that Gen Zers are going into the apps with greater intention. And it makes me think about how mental health is something that we're so much more open to talking about. And it makes me think that it's because Gen Zers, they're creating this space to realize, hey, what do I really want? I want to be more intentional with how I spend my time, energy, and attention. So when I go into these apps, I want to date mindfully and and be on here knowing that I'm going to look for this and I'm going to spend this amount of time on this. And I really, I really see the great value in that. And I'm sure some millennials do that as well. I mean, I try to do that myself. I'm a millennial, but I think uh, sometimes we, we can get caught up in, you know, maybe we're delivering another persona of who we are, or we're on these apps, you know, we wake up on one morning, we're like, oh, we want this. And then the next morning, oh, well, maybe ah, this is okay. Maybe I'll go for this person. But no, we need to refine it down. We need to ask ourselves, okay, what do I really, really want? I think that's why people get confused on the apps. That's why sometimes people overmatch. They've got so many matches and then they feel overwhelmed. But it's like, well, maybe you should refine. (laughs) Maybe you should think about, read through people's profiles before you accept. Absolutely. We we really like when our, our daters take the time to review a profile. And, it, and it's, you know, we don't want you to find one wrong thing and immediately swipe left. But we do want to make sure that we're making it as easy as possible for you to find someone you're compatible with. So like, for example, you probably know this from being on OkCupid, but there's a match percentage on every single profile. If you click that, It shows you all the questions you both answered in common. It shows where you agree, where you disagree. So we allow you to unpack and uncover a lot about someone well beyond their photos that they're uploading. Mm, That is so amazing. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, wow, that is really cool. I I didn't look into that. That is very cool. And uh, I wanted to touch on, you talked about the LGBT community and non-monogamous users. How has the app changed over the years to accommodate what people are looking for in terms of inclusivity? Yeah. OkCupid has really been inclusive 
since the day it started. And I'm not just saying that. A few months ago, I was like looking into our questions and I was looking at our queer specific questions. So those are the questions only available to queer people. And I thought, okay, you know, we've been really inclusive. We work with GLAAD, we work with the Human Rights Campaign, but how long has this really been a part of who OKCupid is? And the first question that was added for the queer community was in 2004, the year we launched. Oh, wow. Good really been ahead of the curve. We were the first leading dating app to expand gender and orientation options. There's over 60 identities for people to choose from if they're LGBTQ+. And we don't make you choose one because we know people don't fit into a singular box these days. You can choose up to five different identities. We are the first leading dating app to introduce a pronouns feature for queer users. And in the past couple of years, we actually opened that up to straight users as well because we thought, wait, why is the burden on queer people to share their pronouns when if straight people share them, it would really help normalize it for everyone. But we're always talking to our daters and getting feedback. So for example, last year, when we were talking to some of our non-binary and transgender daters, we heard from them that they were saying, you know, we love all these identities. They're so great. The problem is I'm being matched with people who don't understand my identity who don't understand all these options you're giving to people. We thought, here's a teachable moment for us and for all the millions of users on OkCupid. And we partnered with the Human Rights Campaign and we said, hey, here are over 60 identities that we have. Can you help us identify each one? And we added definitions next to every single identity in our app so that when people go and they can filter who they're looking for, or even how they identify, they understand what each of these terms mean. And it was an educational moment for me as well. Yeah, that's great. I, I admit I've seen some terms and I was like, oh, what does that mean? That's yeah. really good that you you <laughs> you have those definitions beside it. That's very, very smart. Now, actually, yesterday I was thinking about the future of online dating. I was like, I wonder what it will be like, you know, with the emergence of new technologies, you know, AI. VR, thinking, what will it look like in five to 10 years? And I'm curious what you're thinking. I'm sure you have some insights into what the future may look like. So I'm curious. Well, because you brought up AI, one of the first things I can share is that in January of this year, OkCupid became the first leading dating app to leverage ChatGBT to help match users all around the world. So we thought, why don't we tap into this tool that everybody is talking about online and offline and have ChatGBT draft some of our matching questions? And the tool came up with some great questions about, are you more of an introvert or extrovert, morning or night person, favorite way to spend the weekend, and then also some deeper deeper topics like what do you value most in a partner? How do you know when to take the relationship to a next level? And There's about nine of them. They've been in the app for a little over two months Mm -hmm. and they've been answered 675,000 times and counting. So we've actually committed to using ChatGBT every single month for the rest of 2023 to draft our matching questions for us, which has been a really fun experiment. But separate from AI and, and emerging tech, I think the future of dating is more about issues and values-driven dating. So what I mean by that is I think people are going to care less about tall, dark, and handsome and more about how do you feel about Black Lives Matter and marriage equality 
and reproductive health care. This is something we've been looking into for years at OkCupid. When I first started, I wanted to learn about the questions, obviously. And one of the things I looked into was, what questions are people answering the most? And they were nice questions, but they were really lighthearted and fun and surface level. They were about coffee dates, going to movies, nothing really of substance. And at the beginning of this year, I looked into the questions that women were answering the most on OkCupid, what they were prioritizing. And those questions were very different than what I saw almost four years ago. The questions were, are you pro-choice? Do you support marriage equality? Should the government defund Planned Parenthood? Is mental health as important as physical health? Is global warming a serious problem? So people are wanting to know how you feel about these really important issues that are impacting our daily lives. And they want to make sure if they're going on a date, they're spending time, they're spending money, that it's with someone whose values really align with them. So I think that's really the future of dating. Wow. I love hearing this. It's going to be refined to the max. Yes. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't get to the point where it's like, oh, what's your blood type? Can you imagine? Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to do this podcast over in a few years and see if that's a topic. Yeah, actually, I would love that. I absolutely love that. I I wanted to add, I was was listening to Matchmaker Maria. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's great. Mm -hmm. She's out of New York and she she has an amazing podcast. And she was just interviewing an author named Mimi Winsberg. And this woman just wrote a book called Speaking in Thumbs, A Psychiatrist Decodes Your Dating Text So You Don't Have To. Talks about how we can learn so much about people through texting. You know, when I get a, a message through the dating app, oh my gosh, I can immediately tell. I'm like, uh, you're spelling words incorrectly. You know, again, it's there's there isn't much substance. How's your day? It's like you could ask questions from my prompts <laughs> that prompt you to ask a question, right? So there's all these things that you can do. But I love hearing that the future of apps is just gonna be more refined. Wow. Like that's I hope that future means like within the next like couple of months too, because that would help me. But <laughs> but that the apps are are fine right now for me. Like I think it's great. I get again, you need to really set an intention before you go into it. And as you said before, it's okay to take breaks when you're not in the right mindset. But I've, you know, I remember 10 years ago, just like you said, you're like, wow, you're gonna meet a stranger in person. Like so weird. I felt the same way. I remember my mom saying, Oh, well, your friend, your friend Sarah met someone online. I was like, Yeah, well, you know, that's not for me. And then I was like, Oh, Online's really cool because you end up meeting people that you would never meet before. You know, maybe you're in the same circles every day and you're so frustrated because you can't meet someone. It's like, well, it's because you're in your bubble. You need to leave your, leave your bubble. And then you meet, and even as Lauren said, I mean, over the over two years of dating online for Lauren, she met so many interesting people. And, you know, it's not a waste of time sometimes. Sometimes you just meet someone and they become a friend. Absolutely. I mean, if I was in a in a relationship now, I can't imagine I'm not going to date one of my friends and I'm not going to date one of my coworkers. So like, where exactly would I be going? Where would I be finding these people? I don't go to bars like multiple nights a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to close by communicating that I believe that OkCupid has a gift for some of our listeners if they sign up to OkCupid. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So for the listeners today, the first 50 people who follow these instructions, so I'm going to make it super easy for you. Create an account on OkCupid, which is completely free. And after you create your account, it could only be after you create your account, 
email subscriptions at okcupid.com. That's plural. So subscriptions with an S at the end at okcupid.com. Let us know where you heard us and make sure that you're emailing us from the email address you use to sign up for OKCupid. And you will be upgraded to premium on us for three months so that you can enjoy all the paid features on OKCupid. You can have a completely free experience on OKCupid, but why not unlock some of those features that are behind a paywall? Oh, that is so exciting. (laughs) This is amazing. I know some of our listeners are single and on the app. So this is an amazing gift. And thank you for all of your incredible insights and juicy insights today. So we'll definitely have to do this again in the future as the apps continue to grow and change. Absolutely. Yeah, this was so much fun. Yeah, this is my, my favorite meeting this week. Oh, that's Aww. so exciting. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've listened to you on other podcasts and I was like, wow, I love this guy's energy. I'm so, so, so excited to interview Michael. So thanks again. And uh, we'll speak soon. Of course. Have a good one. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening. That was our conversation with Michael Kay, the Global Director of Brand Marketing and Communications at OkCupid, which is a part of the Match Group along with other popular dating apps, Hinge and Tinder. And if you are single and on the apps, we hope that you gained a lot of new knowledge from our discussion today and that you also take advantage of the gift OkCupid has offered our listeners to get three months of OkCupid's premium service free. And as always, you can find these details and more about Michael and his team in the show notes. And if you're not single, but you know someone who is and who you know can gain a lot from our discussion, please share this episode with them. As you heard, there are a ton of interesting insights and inside tricks that Michael shared that could be useful to them to help them find more quality matches. And as always, I want to close this episode by saying a big thank you for listening and to all of you who have taken a moment to write us a kind five-star rating and review on iTunes. We especially love to hear about what you've learned from our discussions and what areas of minimalism you are working on. Your words also motivate us to keep going and help us bring on more exciting guests like Michael. So thanks again for listening and we will speak with you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.